Welcome to Great Loop Radio, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. This is Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, my guest is Bob Kunith, who is a Gold Looper and also a Waterway Guide cruising editor. And we are going to be talking about a very important topic, and that is um, electric shock drowning, which has been in the forum lately. And this being Safe Boating Week, seems like a great time to talk about this a little bit because it's something beyond what everybody knows, which is to wear your life jacket and those types of things we tend to focus on during Safe Boating Week. Uh, but this is a real danger out there. So I want to make sure we get the word out. Before we jump into the topic, I do want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Beneteau, Curtis Stokes and Associates, Dog River Marina, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, Skipper Bob Publications, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. Bob Kunith, thank you for joining me today on Great Loop Radio. Well, good afternoon, Kim. Thanks for giving me a call. Yeah, and you had approached me about this topic, and it was it was very timely because there had been a discussion in our forum over the past week or so about electric shock drowning. And, of course, loopers are approaching fresh water where this becomes more prevalent. But let's start from the basics because I don't think there's enough information out about this, and I think people that are newer to boating or even who have boated for a while may not be familiar with this, especially depending on where they're from. So let's start with what exactly is electric shock drowning? Sure. Uh, first off, I want to confine the topic to AC electricity, not the 12 DC voltage that you find on the boat, but the AC voltage that you find that's on shore power or perhaps made by your generator. The, uh, the nature of alternating current is that it travels from the positive uh, wire to the negative wire. It always travels in that direction. The the uh, electric pulses, I guess is the way to describe it, uh, leaves the positive uh, anode and goes to the, uh, the negative side of the path, which is actually ground, as we, as we call it. And that path will always, that, that characteristics will always occur unless there is a direct connection between those two or through a device of some kind. So how that can happen is there will be loose wires on the dock or the boat or some other fault in the circuit. Uh, and what happens is, let's say the, the uh, positive wire is in the uh, water and it's going to be trying to find a path to ground. Fresh water is not a good conductor of electricity, but it will conduct some electricity, a very minor amount. Now enter a human body, in between where that positive wire is hanging in the water, let's say, and ground or something that is grounded. And since the human body is essentially the same composition as salt water, if it gets closer within the field of that electric current, it's gonna complete the circuit between that uh, positive wire and the ground. And it doesn't have to be much. It only has to be a few milliamps to just actually start feeling the effect. But the effect of uh, the minimum effect is just once you get just beyond tingling is you actually have muscular paralysis and uh, once you have muscular paralysis you're rendered unable to swim it depending on how severe it is you may not be able to breathe you may not be able to shout 
uh, and a little further on, you uh, your heart will become affected, and sooner or later, you're going to either have a heart a heart problem or you're going to drown because you can't uh, you because you because you're paralyzed. So that's that's the that's the basics of electric shock drowning. Yeah, so, and it's, it's uh, part of what's so scary about it. I think is that it's really an invisible hazard, um, and. You, Bob, had a personal experience with it that uh, you shared uh, in an article that I'd like you to share because I think it kind of brings home what this actually is. So why don't you go ahead and tell us about what happened uh, when you were on your loop, I believe, and, and experienced this. Yeah, sure. Uh, where we were was up in Lake Ontario, <clears throat> which, of course, is uh, purely fresh water. But again, all fresh water has a mineral content to it. So it makes itself uh, the right environment for this the wrong environment, depending on your point of view. We were tied up at a dock at a friend's house that uh, they offered us the use of a, uh, let's say, the typical orange extension cord that you run out from your house. This one was from this boathouse. And although I should have known better, I I took advantage of his offer and plugged it into my boat to give us minimal at least power so that we wouldn't have to run the generator and annoy the uh, other boats that were tied up there as well. So uh, I did get a momentary flash on the power panel, uh, the reverse polarity signal, and but it seemed it went away right away for whatever reason, and everything seemed to work fine. So I left it uh, hooked up. Uh, the next morning, we were only in four feet of water, so I said, "Hey, this water is so clear, a perfect opportunity to check out my running gear." So I started. I put on my bathing suit, and this is about 6:30 in the morning. Started down the ladder into the water and as soon as i touched the the bottom of the lake uh, making essentially i completed a circuit i was still holding on to my metal ladder and even though that's not bonded to the rest of the electrical power on the boat uh, it probably got some minimal current passed to it from the ground plate which is uh, right nearby and it did complete the circuit and I, i started feeling this funny tingling in my legs, and I said, "Gee, that, that's a little odd. I better get the hell out of here." So I started. Mm-hmm. I I immediately started to get up my ladder. Found out I couldn't move. My legs were stuck where they were. My arms were. My hands were firmly clenched on the ladder, and they wouldn't move. Nothing would move. Uh, fortunately, the water was only up to my mid chest, and I could yell. And believe it, I did. And uh, fortunately, Carol is uh, understanding of the systems on our boat. And I asked her to cut the, yell at her to cut the power. And sure enough, she did. And as soon as she did, I was able to break free from the ladder. And even though I was kind of shaken up, I was able to, you know, finally get out of the water. And uh, that was that. I mean, it was uh, such a brief encounter, but, you know, you do see your eyes, your life <laughs> right. flashing before your eyes, as they say, wondering, oh, brother, where is this going? Well, so, the- uh Certainly a scary experience. Um, how long had you been boating prior to this? I'm trying to, to get towards how well known is this hazard? Yeah, I would tell you this. Uh, we had by that time been probably boating for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And although you're, everybody knows that you can't have loose wires anywhere, and that there is this uh, electrocution possibility, but, you know, frankly, you know what, as a kid, I used to just for a kick stick my hand, my finger in a light bulb socket to <laughs> get that vibe. I mean, you know, didn't do the craziest things. And I changed electrical uh, switches around the house without killing the power and 
occasionally got a, a pop. But the difference there is the the, uh, the the current is confined to your fingers or wherever the 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 event is. This one, it's going through your whole body, and that's that's the difference because it goes through and affects your entire nervous system. Now, as far as no, I, right? I never heard about this thing, and I even about a year later, I started checking and doing some investigation, and found out that a uh, unfortunate tragedy in California, a boy named Kevin Ritz was electrocuted or drowned, electric shock drowning from a boat that is connected with a boat that his father had just bought, but had a faulty current in it. And his father was an electrical engineer and got decided to get into it. And he found out what the real cause was and actually started a foundation uh, eventually, which has been around for about 20 years now called the, uh, uh, electric. If you go to electricshockdrowning.org, you'll find the organization which is dedicated to communication. Mm-hmm. So, uh, now, Bob, the, the risk, as you have explained um, in some of your articles and to me, is different. The risk is different in freshwater versus brackish or saltwater, and I think perhaps that's one of the reasons it's not as well known. Particularly, it worries me for loopers who perhaps have been saltwater boaters their entire lives and are just now approaching the freshwater. And uh, I myself um, have allowed, uh, mistakenly, now that I understand electric shock drowning, but have allowed my children to swim in a marine on a you know ridiculously hot day. Sure, just jump in for a second, um, and we're in saltwater. So thankfully, there was no issue there. But I had never heard of this, and this was you know several years back. But I also had never heard of electric shock drowning. So um, tell us what's different about it when you're in fresh yeah. versus brackish versus saltwater. Sure. Well, again, in saltwater, you're probably not going to have an event because the saltwater is a big enough conductor and a good enough conductor to allow the current to pass bypass you. However, in brackish water which is not as salty as you are, you make your your body may become a better conductor than the uh, than the salt water that's in the brackish uh, estuaries and so on, uh, which opens the door to the statement, how can you trust anything like that? <laughs> it's uh, now actually that organization I just mentioned, uh, they do a lot of research trying to document events and mm-hmm. they've never found a, an occasion of electric shock drowning in salt water. So, it's relatively, let's say it's relatively safe, but the engineers would tell you not impossible and don't trust it. Right. Uh, now, the as far as the marinas, the marina where we dock in and, and we're seeing Wisconsin has 900 boats. I mean, there's 900 opportunities for a bad connection. There's all the docking and the marina itself is 25 years old or actually more than that now. So there is the potential for any kind of uh, problem because of that. Absolutely. And I do want to jump into that. I think this probably is a good place to take a break and play a message from one of our sponsors. When we come back, I do want to talk about, you know, what might be some indicators that there's a problem and the things that you should be looking for and checking for. So we'll be back in a moment. Did you know that every mile of the Great Loop is covered by Skipper Bob Guides? Its mile-by-mile format is a great planning tool and essential at the helm. On the most popular routes and side trips, Skipper Bob covers preparation, navigation, bridges and locks, and the best places to visit. Skipper Bob guides are updated each year, and its website keeps you current with navigation alerts and cruising news. To check it out, go to skipperbob.net. Skipper Bob is a proud Admiral sponsor of AGLCA. 
We're back on Great Loop Radio. My guest today is Captain Bob Kunith. He is a gold ed- a gold looper and a cruising editor for Waterway Guide. And Bob is sharing with us some information about electric shock drowning, which is a very real threat, particularly in freshwater. So as our loopers are approaching the Great Lakes and the freshwater, we want to make sure that they are aware of this situation. So, Bob, we, we kind of, I think, hopefully all have an understanding now of what this is and what the risk is. But tell us, you know, I kind of called it earlier, I think, an invisible hazard. But tell us a little bit about what you should be checking on your own boat to make sure you're not creating a hazard for yourself or for others. Well, first off, the uh, one common element of every electric shock drowning issue is that there's, there's an absence of the that third green wire that that must be present in the electrical circus circuit that wire is there to uh offset the effects of a short or a loose wire somewhere else or an accidental you know, you know uh, yeah you can have you can have a a, a, a what do you call it a uh, a parallel circuit uh, current flow would just when two wires are just alongside each other one picks up the current from the other one but the third wire the green wire if that's there you're not going to have an electric shock drowning episode and as a matter of fact in every documented episode the third wire was found to be missing so that's the first thing is make sure that your boat is wired properly that the dock is wired properly as far as the dock itself you can buy at uh, west marine and other marine sources a device that you plug into that uh, maranco female socket on the dock and test whether it's uh, the polarity is correct and whether a ground wire is present and you'll give your error, error messages in the form of lights if it's not and you can also have buy the same thing for about five or six bucks from one of the hardware stores for testing AC regular outlets. So if you wanted to check your own boat, you can check each outlet with one of these things looking for a missing ground because that's the most essential thing. The other thing you can do is, uh, unfortunately, visually, you're gonna, you're never going to find a problem unless you really, really are carefully going through everything. So unfortunately, the, the default defense against electric shop drowning is stay out of the water. Mm-hmm. Don't just don't do it. I'm very gratified that I've at, in when I used to write for Waterway Guide, I'd visit marinas, and if I didn't see the proper warning signs around, I'd have a discussion with the marina manager about that. And I've been very gratified to see at some of the marinas I used to visit, and they now have very large, prominent signing: "Danger, electric shock hazard, no swimming." You know, right. now, that doesn't mean they follow it unfortunately it's kind of tough to start a kid you know jumping off a kayak into the water or something but right anyway, but it is it is tried. helpful but, um but, yeah sure but, but just one yeah i'm sorry yeah. oh go ahead let me let me just mention along that line that uh there are 3700 drownings every year in the united states which is it's the it's like third most common accidental death or fifth or something like this, way up on the scale of accidental deaths. And there is no way to tell uh, in a drowning event whether electric shock drowning was involved. There's no autopsy markers that can be present. And without the uh, testimony of witnesses or other uh, exterior knowledge, uh, so there's really no way to tell how many electric shock drowning events there are every year. 
it's hmm. suspected that it's a lot more serious. But 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 the event that I had in Ontario, the boat next to me happened to be two retired paramedics uh, from the Midwest. And a few years ago, they had told me they had exactly that circumstance where two teenage boys died and went in the call that they answered from electric shock drowning. So it's not as uncommon as you might think on the surface. Right. And Bob, you mentioned first responders because you brought up the uh, paramedics that were on the boat next to yours who had seen this, have seen some circumstances of this. Um, But of course, if the water is essentially electrified, it can be dangerous for someone who is going to try and help another who is suffering from ESD. So from a first responder standpoint, or if you happen to see this happening, even if you're not typically a first responder, but are suddenly put in that position in a marina or somewhere else, what should you do? You know, what, what do you look out for and how do you yeah, sure. keep yourself safe while helping others? Yeah, well, of course, you, you, again, you may not even know it's electric shock drowning. There's somebody in the water yelling and they're waving their arms perhaps, and they may or may not be actually affected by this. So you've got to assume that all emergency situations may be electric shock drowning. All of which means is you try to look for evidence like dead fish or something else floating around and try to approach the victim. Don't just jump in the water. You might be going, there might be a third person necessary to get both of you out. Try to approach the victim by the the least obvious uh, exposure possible. If there's a dock and a boat, try and get them from the other side. So the, and if you start feeling it tingling, uh, Boy, I tell you, you gotta you gotta react fast. Get out of there before you you're in there too, and figure out some other way of of rendering assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any testing? You know, obviously the simple answer is stay out of the water, because we did talk about how you can check your own boat, but as you mentioned, your marina has hundreds of boats. So just because yours is wired correctly does not mean that everybody else's is. Um, but there's is there anything else? you should check? Is there any way to check the water? Is there anything else you can recommend that people do to make sure that they remain safe out there? The bad news is there no, is, mm-hmm. is actually no. There's, uh, there is some sophisticated uh, measuring tools that are out of reach of most of us. And actually, I've done some marina testing with uh, some electrical engineers to, to try to find hot spots, so to speak. But keep in mind, you only the range is is about 150 feet from the power source of trouble. So in a large marina, that can be, you know, you might be talking about five or ten acres. You know, so it's 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 not practical to let's say to carry something on your boat and if you show up at a marina, test the water. You can, like I said, check the outlets, but that's still not a guarantee that there isn't a leak someplace near where you're pulling in. Has the organization that you mentioned, or do you have any information, how common is it for there to be faulty wiring either on a vessel or at a marina? Is there any indicators of how frequent this might happen? Well, that's a good question. I I don't think I have a good answer. Um, Mm -hmm. You won't know there's a problem unless (laughs) unless somebody (laughs) gets in trouble. Exactly. (laughs) And and, and the incidence is relatively small. It's not like uh, drinking or driving or something where you you hear of somebody every day that's that's a problem. Right. But unfortunately, you know, particularly in the South, we get news every year of, of some events. There was, believe it or not, there was one over in Turkey where five people died all at once. Yeah. Yeah. That one only made the news because it was uh, to the U.S. because it was so big. But there's uh, 
there's any number of ways and any number of places. There was another event I was reading about where a dog fell off a, a bridge that was crossing a river or a stream or something. Uh, one person dove in, and and then he, when he reached up to grab the bridge, he, the bridge itself was hot. So when he went into the water, he he became affected, and I think he died when he grabbed the bridge. And then, so it's not even just boats; it can be anywhere. Right. So, so I and you know I'm kind of surmising here, but it being Safe Boating Week and and us wanting to encourage everyone to wear their life jackets, it seems like this is another great reason to have your life jacket on if you're getting in the water, which again, that's the best way to avoid this is to stay out of the water. But if for some reason you are getting in the water, um, would you say that, you know, in the circumstance, for example, Bob, that you were in, um, if you had, and I know you weren't all the way in to the water because it wasn't that deep, but if it had the water been deeper, would you have been helped by having a life jacket? And perhaps that could help a first responder to, to get you out because life jackets are kind of designed for that. What are your thoughts Boy, I, about that? Yeah, I would have to say that that's uh, that's of course that would be because uh, for one thing it would keep your head out of water, so you're not mm-hmm. going to drown, even if you're unconscious. And you know, like you said, the first responder may be able to hook on with a boat hook or something and get you where he can where they can do some good. Mm-hmm. So uh, as far as Carol and myself, we always wear a, a PFD. We wear the belt kind that it expands when you pull the cord. Because uh-huh. it's yeah, you know, it's it's like a fanny pack and it doesn't get in the way and you don't get annoyed, so you're intent and we so we so we tend to use that all the time, no matter how good or bad the water conditions are. Right. So. Yes, and of course, not that anyone needs an additional reason, but perhaps ESD is an additional reason to not wear or to oh, make sure you're sure. wearing your life jacket, whether it's uh, the belt kind that you have or the suspenders or whatever kind of uh, PFD you would normally be using. Um, you know wear it, please. Any sure, other thoughts that you have, point. Bob? Um, any other thoughts on uh, ESD before we wrap up? Yeah, I just uh, one more thing. It's, yeah. I've been uh, doing a seminar on this topic for the past, uh, oh, I guess, 10 or 15 years. And uh, I've, it's it's without cost. It's if any place I can get to without uh, having to, uh, <laughs> obviously, spend a lot of money on it because there's usually no budget for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, one thing I've noticed is at the, uh, at the beginning of the seminar, I always ask the group, whether it be a power squadron group or a, a yacht club or whatever, at how many people know anything about ESD or electric shock drowning? It'd be a, and never more than 25% raise their hand. And at some time during the seminar, when I describe the things that can happen to you, it's, there's no shortage of an occasional gasp or, wow, I didn't know that could be. You know, the, So the, the lack of information is still out there. So whether it be me or some other way you can publish this thing, there are, there, again, that website has some tools to, uh, uh, to, to show, show, show different shows or get speakers or whatever. It's, it's very important that somehow this, this word becomes a little more just a little better distributed. Right. You mentioned that you do this seminar free if it's within a reasonable distance for you to travel. So we have lots of listeners who are members of power squadrons or Coast Guard auxiliary groups that would probably be interested in something like this. So for them, where is local (laughs) to you? Oh yeah. Local. Uh, We live in Northern Illinois uh, during Mm -hmm. the summer uh, or our, our boat is up in Racine, Wisconsin. So we spend a lot of time there. Mm-hmm. Or in Florida, we're in Venice, Florida for the winter. 
So, okay. Uh, and yeah. if you are and a member of AGLCA, of members of AGLCA yeah. who are listening can find Bob in the directory to reach out to him for that. Um, Bob, if there's an email address or something like that that you'd like to share publicly, feel free, but don't feel like you have to because this, this is not a members-only podcast, so it does go out beyond yeah. just AGLCA. That's right. It, it, it's been out there for a long time. It's my name, mm-hmm. B-O-B-K-U-N. A-T-H, bobcunath at gmail.com. All right. Any Anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up for the day? No, I guess that's about it. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, to be my, to do my discipling here. Or <laughs> <laughs> oh, like I said, it was a, a, a very timely topic because it did come up in our, our forum over the past week, and I've been using that a lot uh, for things that people are talking about to use for this podcast. Sure. So uh, very timely, and thank you for kind of making this your mission to get the information out because it is very important. So our appreciation to you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks to our listeners for joining us once again. We'll be back next week with another episode of Great Loop Radio. Until then, safe cruising.